Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. And the call here with you as we look back on Celtic's 6-1 victory against Hibernian at the weekend. A big result for Celtic at a time that they definitely needed it and a performance to go with it. A much changed lineup to the one that we saw in the Champions League against RB Leipzig. Hart was in goals at right back was Ralston, the sub that I've been begging for over the last couple of weeks. Bernabeu came in at left back, Jens and Carter Vickers in the middle. O'Reilly played as the number six in this game, which we're definitely going to talk about on this podcast. Aaron Moy is the number eight, Rio Hatate as the other one. Haksabanovic on the left wing with Giacomacchus up front. And Jamesy Forrest, 100 goals. We're going to be touching on him later on on the podcast as well. Alan Morrison and Juco James are with me as always. So, Alan, I'll throw this one to you first. None of this matters because Celtic can't score in the Champions League. So we should just forget about this 6-1 victory. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, actually, this is this is a classic game where we talk about, you'll hear us using the term game state a lot, right? So if you want a case study in how game state can alter the stats of a game, uh, or, or, or force teams to play in a way that the stats of a game may not tell you the full story of the game, then this this would be one of those games. And the reason I say that is that when when you you know, go into an early 24-minute three-goal lead, it completely changes the you know, dynamic of the game, right? So, you know, you don't need to go chasing chances. You don't need to be trying 25-yarders, etc. So Celtic, although they had a healthy 20, I, I logged it at 21 shots, um, they, you know, by most sites, they only racked up about two and a half to, to, to three XG on six goals. You think, oh, well, they, you know, the, the, this is classic mean reversion. But actually, I think it's different. I think it's to do with game state. It's to do with the fact that, you know, we just didn't have a lot of volume of chances because we didn't need to. You simply didn't need to chase it. Um, you, you could just control the game fairly fairly well. And also the onus is on the other team then to to try and either, you know, do something or at least not lose not lose face and certainly you know hips through you know half time four changes they changed the shape to a three five two and Celtic took a bit of time to kind of work that out and they had a bit of momentum for, for a good part of that early part of that second half and that all again goes to dampen some of the numbers on Celtic's behalf but in all other respects this was a it was a six one game and and actually you know contrary to what people may think Celtic are overperforming on their expected goals this season if you look at it overall um it's just harder to score in Europe and there might be other factors at play like confidence and and so forth and better defenders and chances not being as good as you think they are you, you know uh, and that was certainly true in the Leipzig game where I think that some of the some of the xg numbers I thought were probably a little bit inflated on the actual quality of the chances themselves based on things like you know the height of the ball and was it coming behind people and so forth so a lot to unpack there but overall I thought Hibs were a good team for Celtic to play um I was you know, obviously Lee Johnson, new manager, I was very interested to see how they were going to play. And I thought, based on the stats before the game, not having really watched them that much, was that they'd, they'd really done well to suppress opposition shots, to, to limit other opposition XG. They had the best, third best XG differential in the league. They actually had the best rate of in the league for their own goalkeeper having to be having to make saves. So it looked like they were protecting the goalkeeper really well as well. So all that added up to me feeling very nervous about this game. But what I didn't realise was quite how high a line that they would play. 
uh, and that allowed. And also, they, they couldn't have prepared for the lineup that Celtic played, and they certainly couldn't have prepared for how well Bernabe and Haxavanovic on the left and the pace at which they attacked them and ripped them apart really for the opening sort of three goals. They couldn't have prepared mm-hmm. for that because they've only been on the park once together at Ross County. So, um, you know, having then got that lead, it was a completely different game, a very difficult game for then Hibs to Hibs to kind of uh, counter. You know, they kept the high line. They, they uh, you know, but, and they were trying to do similar things to Celtic in that they were trying to get a lot of bodies forward, right? Which obviously you know, against a team like Celtic, it's going to leave you a little bit exposed. They weren't trying to build the place so much. They were trying to bang long, big, big diagonals. They've got two centre backs that are pretty good at playing long long passing, so they utilised them quite a lot. So it's an interesting way to play. I think they'll get a lot of success, actually, uh, if they stick with it against most of the rest mm. of the league, because I think they're going to have a real good go at it. They're going to get bodies in the box. They're going to push the full-backs on. They're going to have lots of numbers attacking the box. So I think they'll do really well when they settle into it. But having got caught by Celtic early, it was just a nightmare for them. And in the end, it was it was almost the perfect antidote for Celtic kind of as a pick me up really after after recent performances. Yeah, and I actually uh, I follow quite a number of uh, Hib supporters surprisingly enough, and I think the consensus was that Lee Johnson is actually there a guy that they really like at the minute, and there, it is starting to turn a little bit for them. But I think what you referenced there is that it was hard to prepare for this game. Firstly, and then when they did go out and Celtic were playing. Um, like Matt O'Reilly, for example, as a number six rather than a number eight, and Haxabanovic on the left of Bernabe. I think that just confused the Hibs players a little bit, and they got confused in what they were supposed to do. Um, I, before we go on, because there will be comments on this channel about the opposition standard and the difference in Celtic's performance against the likes of Hibs and what they were putting putting in against the Champions League standard. So let's get the elephant in the room out of the way early on here, James, about how bad Hibs actually were in this game, because... It, we will talk about all the good things that Celtic did, but it is also important to recognise that it was not much of a challenge. The way that Celtic played was very, very effective in breaking down the way that Hibs were supposed to play in this game. Yeah, so um, to be charitable to their manager, uh, you know, it reminded me when I heard some of the or read some of the comments and I think uh, characterizations of his postgame comments, it reminded me of our discussion on on here about how Celtic's game plan in Leipzig may not have um, <laughs> persisted after the first few minutes after they, uh, you know, blitzkrieged us. And I, I suspect to your point, uh, Enda, that might have been part of what happened. Um, so that's the charitable part. The less charitable part is, you know, to be playing that kind of a high line against us um, at home. Um, I question, um, unless you're going to go, full out high press attack 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 the back five um and just go for it and i've talked about this before you know kind of do that or really try to get an early goal off a mistake or something and then um you know maybe retrench but you know there's a reason why after the saint Mirren game we talked about how complimentary we were of their of their game plan of their execution of that game plan and how it was a royal pain in our butt um because of how you know good those two things were um and i think this was kind of the exact opposite of that and to put this into perspective so uh first of all their their defensive line so this is a statistic that stats bomb maintains which is like the average position on the field that they have in a, a defensive action against celtic um it was higher than what man city has averaged in the champions league this season okay it was uh, way higher than we've had in, in pretty much any game. It was higher than our defensive line in the 6-0 versus Dundee last season, right? To put it when we were absolutely, you know, hammering them um, with possession in their half. So the, the flip side of that is that their pressure statistics. So they had, they typically have been having about 60% possession. Uh, they had 43% in this game for obvious reasons. Um their, their, their number of pressures were actually similar to what they've been having on, a, on an average basis in their other games. So that means they were maintaining this crazy high line, not really applying much pressure when they didn't have the ball uh, or counter pressures, which were down about half, actually. Their counter pressures were much lower. Um, so to me, it looked like a, a very incoherent plan um, that was badly executed. 
Uh, so probably, like I said, kind of the exact opposite of St. Mirren. The only thing I'll ever say, I'll, I'll say is that they've been very, um, benef- they've been beneficiaries of some positive variants so far this season. So they've, I think they've played, I have calculated, it's like 17% of their minutes have been against opposition down a man or more. Um, and the, the net XG in that is, is well over two for obvious reasons. Um, so I think some of their underlying season long data has been skewed because of that. And they're, they're probably, you know, I'd say fourth, but a distant fourth behind Aberdeen, if you kind of adjust for that so far. Um, so again, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not crap or anything, but, uh, um, to be coming in and play this kind of way and to do it incoherently <clears throat> at, uh, at Celtic park, I think, you know, they, they got what they had coming to them. What you described there, James, is exactly what we said about Celtic and Leipzig, right? So to give, That's why to, to give Lee Johnson, yeah, yeah, to give Lee Johnson, you know, is due. He's, you know, uh, we're a year and a bit into Postacoglu and this is what we got in Leipzig. It takes time, I guess is what I'm saying. It takes time and a little bit of patience. So Hibs fans don't despair. I think what he's trying to do is, 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 is going to be, if not innovative, at least different to a lot of what, the way that a lot of the teams in that league play, and I think it will be beneficial because it seems it's sensible to what the players you've got. But um, there's going to be bumps in the road, like like there were there was on on Saturday, with with David Marshall playing sweeper keeper. <laughs> well, yeah. <that's>, uh... <laughs> Look, I think uh, teams like Hibs they just have to be the best of the rest. Really, they don't have to challenge Celtic and Rangers just yet. But we'll move on to Celtic because there were some really interesting things to talk about from this game and we'll start with the back line because uh, Bernabeu was off, obviously a key player in this game coming up the left wing with Haksabanovic and it's you know one of the games that we definitely got to see what he's able to do but I want to start with right back because that's where I've been talking about for the last number of weeks and questioning whether Juranovic should be rested and, and Anthony Rawson get an opportunity he certainly got his opportunity in this game and I think he took it quite well and look we, we have to probably once again acknowledge that he wasn't up against much when it came to his defensive actions but going forward is where I have my biggest issue with Juranovic I think he can of, often be wasteful in the final third with his crossing Rawson I think put in a couple of good crosses in this game and he also played the amazing through ball to Lila Bada for Giacomacchus's uh, second goal so I think he showed a lot going forward and showed that he is Celtic's second choice right back for a reason and, and is is there to challenge Juranovic willing to be corrected on all of this but Alan what did you make of uh, Ralston and no, what, are so, the, again, what are his what's his attacking output in comparison to Juranovic yeah so I dug out a few things just just for you right so obviously with Ralston I mean Juranovic has played um, I think equivalent of around 10 games this season whereas I think Ralston's up around four, maybe five games uh, worth of minutes. So a bit of a warning uh, there. Yeah, four point, yeah, four point one. Let's call it. But so I think this is a classic. I think there's two things at play here in terms of what's driving perception. If you if you weren't following the numbers closely, uh, one is the classic. Um, what you actually produce versus how you're performing, <laughs> conundrum, which I think we're seeing it positively fall um, uh, uh, Ralston's way. And the second is to do with just sheer volume of involvement, so just number of actions on the ball. So let me kind of explain that a little bit more. So with Ralston then, I, I couldn't believe this. I know he's only played four games, but I don't believe he's had a single shot at goal yet in the in in, in any in any game. Now I'm willing to be corrected on that, and I might have made a mistake somewhere. But I'd, I've got him as zero shots, right? Zero xg, right? Whereas Juranovic's xg is only 0. 0.04, so they're not, not neither of them are really carrying much of a goal threat. But in chances created, which is probably more important, you might surprise you to know that uh, Ralston's 1.47 chances created, and Juranovic uh, is 1.65. Uh, XG, X, X, sorry, expected assists, Ralston's 0.18, uh, Juranovic is 0.28. So again, uh, ball carries, again, might surprise you, Ralston's 2.9, 2.8, sorry, Juranovic is 3.4. Um, however, scoring contribution, and this is where I came back to actual goals and assists, Ralston's 0.5 per game, and Juranovic is only 0.18. So this is a classic case where Ralston's uh, Juranovic, sorry, is actually producing more 
chances, creating more chances, more aggressive ball carrying. But it's Ralston because he's had a, maybe one or two assists. Um, he's actually, uh, you know, got got points on the board, and that's what people tend to remember. If you look at expected scoring contribution, it's point one eight for um, Ralston and point three two for Juranovic. So to your point about going forward and delivery, actually Juranovic is performing a lot better, or not a lot better, but slightly better than Ralston. Now, where Ralston has been more effective thus far is in what I call ball progression. So this is, think of it, I, I tend to think of, you know, when I think about performance, um, almost like three different um, men of the match. Who's been the best defender, defensive action? Who's been the best ball progressor, getting the ball forward? And who's been the best, who's had the most attacking threat? And I think that's a, a fair way of giving everyone in the team a crack at one of those. So if you look at the, the middle of that, which is ball progression, then pack passes, so that's forward passes that take players out of the game, in terms of pack passing score, Ralston is averaging 57 a game and Juranovic 44. In terms of recovery, so this is recovering the ball and, um, you know, um, uh, is therefore taking players out of the game through kind of interceptions, then um, it's five to Ralston and 16 to uh, Juranovic. And in terms of, four, in terms of turnovers, Juranovic turns the ball over more often uh, you know, 14 to, to 10. But if you look at their total possessions in a game, Ralston averages 97 possessions, uh, Juranovic only 70. Uh, Ralston averages 61 passes completed a game and Juranovic 46. So listen, a lot of data thrown at you there, but if I would summarise it, I would say um, Ralston's had more actual goals and assists, but Juranovic's underlying data is better. Um, Ralston uh, progresses the ball better and is just physically on the ball more, so he, he looks like he's doing more because he's he's, he's involved more than Juranovic is. So that's that's the uh, kind of uh, summary, if you like. Um, uh, make of that what you will, but I think that's the, hopefully a balanced view. I'll give you the conclusion. Ralston's better. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, look, it's obviously look. I, the the main thing that I wanted to to bring to this was that. A lot of people sort of scoffed at the idea that Ralston could come in and replace Juranovic at right back, but Ralston is there for a reason. And if you can't question whether or not your backup right back can come in and do a job equally or as good as the current starting right back, then there's no point in him being at the club because you're weakening that position. And obviously there are you can't have like for like in every position, but I think Ralston does bring something a little bit different to Juranovic and maybe it is that I'm noticing he's, he's getting on the ball a little bit more and 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 maybe he's just he catches your eye more because he is on the ball but I I thought he was he was quite good uh, at the weekend and probably merits a start again tomorrow night but we'll wait and see there is obviously the Champions League coming up uh, next week and there's a game in between that so it will be interesting to see what happens with this right back situation because I mean, sometimes the best thing to do for a player is to take him out of the limelight, take him off the pitch, and maybe Juranovic will come back, and he'll be even better next time when he's when he's starting for Celtic. So we'll we'll wait and see on that one. At left back, Bernabe came in ahead of Greg Taylor and James. I know that you love an athletic, uh, fast, strong. You can't uh, teach left. speed, and uh, you can't exactly. Teach I know, I know you like that that sort of fullback. So I'll let you uh, praise away at Bernabe if you if you so wish. Yeah, I mean, this was the kind of game that was uh, kind of tailor-made for him, no pun intended, um, in that, you know, we were on the front foot, attack, attack, attack. Um, they didn't really put together too much in the way of um, counterattacking, although it was down his side that they kind of got the, the goal. I, I'm not blaming him, but um, that that was the one thing when I looked at him when uh, news emerged that we were signing him was that he's, you know, being as young as he is, positional discipline seems to be probably a relative weakness. Again, totally normal. Um, so, you know, he's not going to be as, uh, uh, you know, probably game intelligent yet as, as Greg Taylor, obviously. Um, not only just because of the time in the system, his age, but, you know, Greg Taylor's, I think, grown into being a, a highly intelligent player. Um, so, you know, we saw that athleticism come out. The other big thing that he showed – obviously in his time in Argentina was his ability to put a ball in the box. 
uh, and you and you saw that. That's, that's that was really his his data profile coming out of Argentina was one of just a really dangerous weapon in the final third, um, on the ball and and getting it into to teammates. Um, so I think that's. You know, if, if you think about that from a relative strengths and weaknesses, we saw what they already were. Um, and, you know, hopefully he can continue to develop on the defensive side because they obviously he still needs to on the attacking side, too. But I think where the relative, you know, uh, area of his game that he has to improve in is on on the defending side. Um, the nice thing is he does have the athleticism. And, and that's, you know, when you screw up and you're that fast, you can run back um, to mm. make, hopefully try to make up for it, obviously. But um, but yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of the things that got me excited when when uh, news came out that we were signing him. I think it's interesting as well. And maybe it's down to his athletic ability. But Alan, he played quite uh, far up the pitch, first of all, but also quite wide. He wasn't inverting as much. I had a look at his heat map after the game. He was very much uh, an overlapping fullback rather than in, uh, inverting in the same way that Greg Taylor naturally does. This is probably a game plan based on his current uh, situation and how well he knows the system, but it also suits the way that Celtic were playing because quite often uh, in the game, and we'll get on to Haksabanovic himself, but we were seeing long diagonal balls from Cameron Carter-Vickers over the top and if it wasn't going to Bernabe, it was going to Haksabanovic and Bernabe was there as a second option. He was overlapping for his assist for Giacomacchus' first goal as well. Hatate played the ball through and he was he was out the wing. He played a superb ball across the, the edge of the box as well. So is it because of his different style of play, his different athletic ability that we're seeing him play naturally overlapping and that's just what he's naturally doing? Or is that something that you think that Ange might try and change the system while he's in it to to bring something different? No, I, I think it probably just would be a, in relation to the where, where there was space and weaknesses in the hips back line. I mean, you know, they were pinging these long diagonals and they were forcing, because, you know, Boyle didn't want to be running back the other way, right? And so basically you were nullifying one of their 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 main weapon really and also somebody who probably doesn't want to be defending so um i think there was a focus there though Celtic tend to be a bit left side dominant anyway um i don't think so because and the reason i say that is because when i've what i've seen of bernabe in, the, in his other appearances and also in his sort of dreaded youtube <laughs> highlights reels is the fact that i think inverting comes naturally to him you know in, in his highlights he, he pops up in all sorts of positions he pops up in eight positions ten positions all sorts of half spaces really quite exciting and unusual and wacky positions he can be behind the striker sometimes so i think that's natural for him i think that's one of his strengths um just to back up james a little bit on you know some of the weak Weaknesses, just just something how it kind of manifests itself in the data is, of all the defenders, he was packed, so he was bypassed by forward passes the most with seven, and he also gave up the most turnovers that then forced Celtic to players to recover because they were behind the ball uh, with three, and I think that's going to be that's that's the rough edges, right? This is, he's, he's a really he's got a lot of rawness about him in terms of some of his pass selection, some of his turning into trouble, not not knowing quite how to release the ball, being aware of what's kind of around him. Huge, huge upsides. I mean, he's very similar to Hitati in my mind in terms of got all the tools. <laughs> you know, you can see tick, 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 got all the tools that you'd love to see in a player playing in that position. But, you know, decision-making and game intelligence are, are going to gonna come in time. So we've got to give them a little bit of patience, I think. But, yeah, lot, great fun, I think, he's going to be. I'm going to make a vast generalization here, but I've never seen an Argentine defender that wasn't a little bit headless at times, but they're incredibly exciting to watch nonetheless. Um, we'll move forward to the midfield. I, this was by far and away, like I'm I'm a midfield sort of nerd. I love watching the game unfold and the way that different players play different positions. And when we saw the starting lineup, it was O'Reilly, Moy and Hatate, And immediately everyone was thinking, well, Moy is the number six here. Matt O'Reilly's going to push back into the number eight role. And it just didn't pan out that way. Aaron Moy moved up to the number eight. Uh, Matt O'Reilly played as the holding midfielder. And for all intents and purposes, it, it worked very well in getting getting Aaron Moy onto the ball more and seeing what he can do create, creatively. And um, I, I we'll talk about Matt O'Reilly, but this was the first game I think that a lot of Celtic fans said, Okay, yeah, I, I I get what Aaron Moy is now about because he was he was very creative. Um, do you go along with that, James? 
Yeah, again, I, I think this is where the context of how the opponent played is important because they basically mm -hmm. gave him acres of uh, green in which to do that. Um, you saw flashes of when they put kind of physical pressure on him that he ran into his you know, normal challenges that he has because of lack of pace and quickness. But yeah, I mean, when you give a guy with that amount of talent and ability that kind of space, he's going to, you know, rip you apart. Um, and again, this goes back to the, this, how stretched they were and how much space was in between our, their, their lines. And, you know, he was able to just pick up the ball and then, you know, move it along with, without much of a fuss. Um, and I, Again, I have another number to put this into context, okay? Um, so uh, we've been talking about in Europe how different it is for Celtic with ball and playtime. So their average – guess what their average ball and playtime in games were and uh, before going into this game in SPFL? Hibs or Celtic? Uh, Celt uh, for Hibs, for Hibs, yeah. This is mind you. That we had 60 minutes against Real Madrid that Celtic okay, had. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go with 45 then. I'll, I'll reduce the number. Yeah, for, for a little over 46. Okay. <laughs> That's it. So, again, if you think about, they usually so have. in the park after the Champions League. Well, right. So they have 60% possession. That means they're only defending about 18 minutes a game. Okay. Uh, this game was almost 55 minutes ball play in time. And. Uh, they only had 43% uh, possession. So that's almost 32 minutes of time having to defend, theoretically. Again, that's not precise, but you could, again, from a percentage base, you know, uh, perspective. So not uh, the, the idea that they look like they were out on their feet a little bit late in the game and Moyes running around with no one within five yards, <laughs> I think is, is context, you know, when he picks out that pass to Maeda, which is a brilliant finish, by the way, and a, and a brilliant pass, right? I'm not, this is not at all to discount what these guys were doing, but, you know, uh, this was a hip side that was probably li like the late, the, the error from their center back that just get, gifted us a goal, basically. You know, when you get tired physically, a lot of times you get tired mentally and you make that kind of just oopsie, trip over yourself kind of mistake. Um, so, yeah, he, he was terrific. But, but I, I again, I'm not sure how much of this changes anything relative to kind of what we've expected. Um, you know, as we keep saying, styles make fights. And th this, was a, this was a perfect style for 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 Moy to stand out mm -hmm. what did he do differently to Matt O'Reilly as the eight Alan yeah so I mean listen I, I, I just yeah I, um he well he was further forward right so I mean I think this was a game where we got a little bit lucky in the sense that um if you look at the midfield three O'Reilly was incredibly quiet and just kind of did did the bare minimum I would say and that's very normal after a game like Leipzig on the Wednesday because he, he was absolutely sensational against Leipzig and I don't use that lightly. Um, I can go through that in numbers if anybody's interested, but he was absolutely sensational against Leipzig. And, and actually when we've seen it with like, players like Ryan Christie, when they're absolutely sensational in the game, um, the next game they're often quite quiet. They just physically, mentally, they're just gone a little bit. So O'Reilly was very quiet. Hitati, and again, I'm, I'm, if I tell you, I thought it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a Celtic shirt. It doesn't mean to say I hate Rio Dati, right? I love him. But it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a Celtic shirt, right? It really was, okay? And then, you've, and then you had Moy, okay? So the, the midfield, it was lucky. What was lucky for Celtic was the hips were so stretched, as James said. And it, was, it almost was a reverse run of Leipzig 3, Celtic 1 in that they tried to do the right thing. They tried to be true to themselves. They implemented it really badly. Um, and, and, and it could have been 6-1 in Leipzig, okay, for, against us, okay? This, that's what could have happened. And, and the game was so stretched that almost the midfield was irrelevant, in a sense. We know our full-backs passed the ball really well, our centre-backs passed the ball really well, and our, and, and our wingers were dangerous. And we almost didn't need the midfield. We had so much space to play with. And, and Moy's, Moy's joy really came. <laughs> Moy's joy. Moy's joy came late in the game when the game was done, as James said, against James said, after tired bodies and, and tired minds. Most of his ex, you know, expected assists and his, his, his great play was against that kind of... So I'm not trying to criticise anyone here. I'm just going to give you, you know, what I thought, honestly, is the context of that. 
So um, it was a nice game all round in that sense. And actually, you know, for Moy and O'Reilly to have reasonably solid game. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Whilst trying to cover for the train wreck of Tati's performance was, was probably worthy of some note as well. Listen, the wee guy looked absolutely shattered, right? He just gave the, gave the ball away continually, turned it over continually. Um, almost looked like he couldn't control the ball. I think he needs a wee bit of a rest. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down on him. I'm not, I don't, you know, he'll, 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 I think he'll still make it. But uh, he just, I think he probably just needs a bit of a rest. Mm-hmm. It's always nice when you have space in the midfield. I think that's all what that's what midfielders dream of is just having that little bit extra half yard or or yard. And and Aaron Moy certainly had that. I I do think it's interesting that he was playing as the eight and not Matt O'Reilly though. It clearly shows you, I guess the what Ange wants as the number six. So let's really quickly run through Matt O'Reilly versus what Cal McGregor brings to that that role. So like we've already spoken sort of in depth about defensively what Matt O'Reilly brings as the number eight, which is 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 quite strong, but as the number six. There's, it's a it's a completely different role. Like it, it really is. You're required to cover more ground. But as a link man, I can't think of many players that are better suited to that that role because Matt O'Reilly's range of passing is extraordinary, and he's strong on the ball as well. So, before we move forward to Haksabanovic and mm-hmm. James Forrest, who uh, what what do you make of Matt O'Reilly versus Cal McGregor? If you could compare the two. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a sort of side by side, and I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll try not to just kind of reel off a load of num- numbers again, but. I'll really go back. I'll go back to the Leipzig game because that was Matt O'Reilly. That was a ter- absolutely terrific performance. I think he didn't. He didn't have to do much against Hibs, frankly, and he, and he was pretty quiet. But against Leipzig, which is a top class opposition, second game he's played as a number six in the system. And by and by the way, if you're going to replace your captain and probably the most important sort of fulcrum, if you like, of your team, then you might as well put in the most intelligent player that you have in there. That makes absolute sense to me. But, I mean, against Leipzig, he had the most successful challenges and intercepts in the whole team, 13. The next highest was nine, okay? He had the most uh, packing recovery, so forcing turnovers that put the opposition under pressure with five. He won the ball back in his own defensive third more times than any player with five. He won possession back for the team more times than any other player with seven. He had the highest pack passing score, the highest overall packing score, and, by the way, he had the highest overall expected scoring contribution, i.e. goals 
expected goals plus expected assists. So that was quite the performance, right? You just don't, you just wouldn't get all that from McGregor. You wouldn't get that defensive volume. You wouldn't get that goal threat. Um, you would you would probably get a lot of the good sort of ball progression. So on on, on it, 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 there's potential there against the second best team we've played this season um, for him to be absolutely phenomenal in that role. Um, now you know. He didn't back that up with the same against Hibs, but as I said to you, he didn't need to. The game was done in 24 minutes and he basically coasted it until he went off. So um, I'm not saying he's better than McGregor, but I'm just saying that was quite a performance and quite a statement at that level. So I think there's yeah. there's real kind of um, encouragement there that you know the, the, the McGregor not being available situation might not be as, as terrible as we think it is. Yeah, well, what, what, I've, I've mentioned this before. One of my pet peeves uh, has been the combination of either, um, you know, the, the, the cultural bias towards the battling breakup play midfielder in that role, um, or that that's where old midfielders go to die, right? That you, as you, as you get less athletic, you move back to that position. One of those two. And mm-hmm. I've always found that kind of crazy. Alan and I have talked about this repeatedly in the past that, um, you know, this is why I was so hell bent on on embracing McGregor in that role a lot earlier than what ended up happening. Um, and you know, I, I think putting someone who's young, dynamic, smart, has a, a huge range of passing. He's probably the one area where he's probably a little deficient relative to McGregor is carrying on the ball with pace. Um, but outside of that, when again, you don't need to do that when you, you're able to move the ball through passing, um, and that's kind of the inverse of McGregor. McGregor's really good at carrying at pace, but he's not great at breaking those lines vertically. Um, he's good at moving it along out out wide, but he's not one to make that risky central pass um, that, that breaks lines. So I'd actually, you know, just uh, intuitively, I think he profiles um, really well in that role. My concern was more so, you know, how can he ascend the learning curve and kind of the muscle memory and that kind of stuff. And as Alan pointed out, we found out pretty well. So, uh, and again, that, that speaks to probably just this kind of innate game intelligence, which again, I think he shares with McGregor, another you know, just really smart player. So mm-hmm. give me 10 smart players and one good player and you'll, you'll make a good team out of those moving forward. Haksabanovich. I mean, there's only one thing that you can say about him, Alan, and that, He's a player, like he is. Sensational. Well, I'm, tr- I'm so trying not to get. To, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to get too excited, but his his data is quite special, and he's only. Play, I know he's only played less than 300 minutes, right? So I do need to be um, a bit cautious. I don't normally get carried away, right? But yeah, and and he, you know, well, yeah, I was I was going term- to ask you because this, yeah, this around it was around this time last year where we were talking about Jota in the same terms, and I asked yes. you. Yeah. Would you sign Jota now? And even though you didn't have enough data on him, you said absolutely yes. So I, I presume yeah, you're, you're feeling the same about Haksabanovich. I, I am. And, and it's because he's got that, what it is, if it, if, you know, the one thing, if you, had to, if you had to force me to say one thing that I absolutely love about him, it's that he's simultaneously insanely creative and he rarely gives the ball away. And that's incredible. And, and I don't know if he can sustain it. I mean, his... His expected assists rate is just unsustainable. It's it's up at something like 0.9 a game, which is it's just not he's just not going to keep that going, right? Um, but he but he also keep he also barely turns. I think he gave away two passes in his 45 minutes. He had the highest packing score um, on Saturday, and he only played 45 minutes. So that reflects not only his ability to play through the lines and to cross the ball in and take defenders out with his crossing, which is excellent. It's really flat, right? It's really flat and really accurate. His crossing is fantastic. Um, he, he's able, he's like Jota. He's, he was a bit of a ball man. He's able to get on the ball. He's able to find space. So he's got this gift of finding space. He's got good technique, good control. He progresses it well. He creates chances and he hardly gives the ball away. So I just I'm really excited about all of that. The only sort of downside I would say is he doesn't carry much of a goal threat or hasn't done so far. Um, really, really quite low. Not that many shots. Most of them are from outside the box and a bit meh. Um, a lot of them got blocked. So that that part of his game, I'm not so excited about. But it's kind of getting the team up the park, breaking lines, being creative. He's almost like a mix of the best of Jota and the best of James Forrest in that sense. 
of you know quite careful and and not, not, not Forrest looks after the ball in the final third quite a lot. Jota doesn't really care; he just ball you and get the ball in, try lots of stuff, and he's very creative because of that. Um, yeah, so early days, like I say, try not to get too too uh, too excited, but I'm a little bit excited. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest insult in the world when you're taking off at uh, 45 minutes when you're playing badly but it's the biggest compliment in the world when you're taking off taking off at 45 minutes when you're playing well because it just shows you he was like yeah your job's done let's get you rested and get you ready for the next game kind of thing for for Haxabanovich on the goal thing I think that might just be potentially now I could be proven wrong in this but over the long term I think it could be a situation where it's it's just like uh you know, there's just a blockage there, and once you once he gets the first one, you could see uh, loads of them flying in. Because I think what what we've seen from him so far is quite an unselfish player. He does go up for the cross rather than than for the shot himself, to his detriment mm-hmm. at times. Because uh, there was times that even in the Champions League where maybe the shot was on to try to go across the keeper, and he opted for a cross, and it just didn't fall for Celtic in, in a way. So it can be kind of frustrating there. But yeah, uh, James, do you want to add anything to Haxabanovic before we move on to the man of the hour? Not name scales, obviously. Yeah, uh, pr- pretty much echo everything Alan said. The only thing I'll I'll say is that I and I have said this before, and when we signed him, the 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 probably the one piece that's just not quite, you know, it's, again, it's why he's at Celtic, and we got him for the price that we did, is that he doesn't have that high end speed. Um, but but outside of that, yeah, I mean, so that, I think that's a limiting factor as we get at a certain level of opposition where you know you get high quality uh, fullbacks i think are going to be able to handle him um because of that um issue or at least handle him better um but yeah i mean outside of that i mean if he's if he's going up against someone kind of equal or lower i think he's going to shred a lot of a lot of teams domestically and even in europe against teams that don't have the athleticism to cope with them I'm going to get ahead of the crowd here because I know this is going to be an argument and a debate throughout the season. Can you play Jota and Haksabanovic on the pitch at the same time? Hell yeah. Or should yeah, you? I, put, yeah, I know I you can. On each wing. Yeah, no, I put one on yeah, each I wing. Am. As I say, Jota's actually more Jota creative on the right. On the right. Yeah, well, he's more creative on the right um, because he, he uh, he's right-footed and so forth. He tends to cross the ball more, whereas on the left, he tends to cut in and have a lot of fruitless shots. I know, I know, I know, I know that seems counterintuitive to people because it looks like he plays better on the left, but he looks like he plays better on the left because it looks like he's getting lots of shots in as part of that perception. But he's actually, I think I proved this earlier uh, in the season with an article, he, he's actually got a higher overall expected scoring contribution playing off the right. So I'd be happy to play both of them. I'd play both of them and they can swap if they want. Hell, they can do what they hell they want you know just get them both on the pitch i say yeah if this was football manager i'd be playing a 4-2-4 and getting jackamacus on the pitch with kyogo as well because <laughs> if there's one thing you can say about jackamacus is that boy knows how to finish a chance because he, he he really does take one or two good opportunities and he has the ball in the back of the net even sometimes it's it's not a great opportunity but we'll talk we'll talk about jackamacus maybe again but because we have to talk about James V. Forrest, 98th, 99th, and 100th goal in this game, a hat trick for him. You know, the second, the second, the third goal, uh, maybe Marshall probably should do better. The second one, he definitely <laughs> should do better. But uh, listen, we, we won't take it away. It was, it was the quintessential uh, James Forrest hat trick, one at the back post. One, I, I think I've seen James Forrest score that shot, the third one across the goalkeeper, where the goalkeeper gets a hand in it, but there's just too many. Um, there's just too much power on. I think I've seen him score about 40 of those goals. But uh, Alan, like Jim Forrest was handed a three-year contract at the start of the season, and there was questions about that because of his age, because of his contribution, because of maybe his pecking order within the side. But I, I guess, like outside of the obvious intangible of experience and what he brings in that aspect, I think. Are we underestimating what James Forrest brings on the pitch as well? Because we haven't really been seeing that all that much of him in the last year. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say underestimating. I mean, you know, let's let's kind of re, it's just going to wind back a little bit in terms of where where we were. Um, you know, if you go back four seasons, then you know, in in I think it was the uh, I'm just checking this 1819 and 1920 were probably the the best of James Forrest. So he would have been. 26, 27, yeah, you know, years old, that that kind of thing. And, and not just for Celtic, but also for Scotland as well. You know, he really kind of blossomed. He started scoring goals on the international stage. 
um, he played the equivalent of around about 50 games as well in each of those seasons, which was the first time I think he'd got that high. And 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 I think you know it was I think in the eight, 19, 20 season under Lennon, it was I think 44 games as well. So that was I think the sort of the the, the real purple patch in his career. And and if you look at those three seasons. His expected scoring contribution. So again, remember that's goals plus assists, and we know that James is on a hundred goals and he's nearly on a hundred assists. So he's good for both, right? At the same rate, which is which is astonishing. Not many players can do that, right? So that's that's, that's a fantastic thing. So you know he, he ramped up to to point six two expected scoring contribution in uh, seventeen eighteen. Then it went up to point eight, and then down to point seven eight. And then down to 0.66. And then, you know, in the in the two seasons after that sort of peak of 1920, he only played 11 equivalent of 11 games um, in in 2021, and then 18 sort of last season. And it just looked like he'd peaked, and it was a marvelous peak, and it was a wonderful peak for a, a wide player to be averaging nearly a goal and assist every game. Is is in terms of expected goals, this was was fantastic. And then it looked like there was going to be the injuries were starting to kick in, and it and it looked like he wasn't as quick as he used to be, and it just looked like a natural decline. And so, you know, we were surprised that he, or certainly I was surprised that he was given a three-year contract, not on the basis that, oh, you know, we think he's finished in that sort of absolute sense, just that, you know, the natural ravages of time. He's had a long career, you know, dynamic, speedy wingers don't tend to get better at the age of thirty. You know, um, you know, as we talked about Ronaldo a little bit in terms of. Um, you know, recalibrating the way that you play, and I thought James might have maybe be repurposed as a as a striker that perhaps doesn't you know, chase up and down the line so much, and uses his intelligence and his, 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 his you know his strengths in that way. But suddenly this season, I say suddenly, but this season he's come out, and then you've only seen him briefly, but he looks a little bit faster again. He looks a bit more direct. I think Postecoglou's got at him. I think he's being a little bit less circumspect. Than he used to be, and I say circumspect. I don't mean that in terms of he's a defensive player. I just mean he's a bit more careful. If you compare him to Jota, Jota doesn't mind throwing the ball into the box. Doesn't mind trying a risky thing. Forrest will. Forrest doesn't like taking risks. He likes to know that he's going to cross it. He knows that he knows who he's looking for, and he's and he's pretty. He tries to be quite precise about it. So he, so he doesn't tend to give the ball away as much. But he, he's giving the ball away more this season. But he's being a bit more direct. He's you know he's seeing he's trying to get at defenders. He's trying perhaps a little bit. Uh, more aggressive in his passing as well, so maybe maybe this is a, a, another another postico glue trick to get the last embers out of out of Forrest's career. Because as I say, no harm to James. It's just that you can't once you once your pace goes and you're a winger, you can't get that back. He's thirty years old. You can't you can't suddenly magic. You know you might be able to lose a, a kilo or so, although he's he's never been particularly heavy. But you know it's just the, the normal ravages of time. But absolutely delighted for him. You know, it was a great performance on Saturday. It wasn't just the goals. He had the highest expected scoring contribution in the whole team. He set up four chances as well, scoring three goals. So it was an absolute vintage performance from him. And if there's more to come from that, then my goodness, you know, that that's quite a pleasant surprise for this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only two other players that have 100 goals and 100 assists for Celtic are... Henrik Larsson and Jimmy Johnson. So he's how do in, how do we know this? That's a genuine question. How, how do we know this? <laughs> well, I don't know. Was... I'm 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 yeah. trusting the information I'm getting on Reddit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think logging of assists That's... was was very accurate in the 1890s somehow. But I no, I don't think so. But yeah, I suppose the context of, with the Larsson stuff is that Larsson was playing in a different period that was much more challenging than what what James Forrest was playing in. But nonetheless, it's still it's still an incredible achievement. There's not too many players you can say that have that strong of an output for Celtic and important goals as well. I remember we spoke about James Forrest last season or two years ago, even on the podcast about like the amount of important goals that he has scored as well in Scottish Cup quarterfinals, semi-finals, finals he scored in. So like he's not a he's not just a a dumb winger who throws the ball into the box. He he can get a goal as well. So. Um, I, I guess the, the final point I would make on this, James, is that sort of what Alan is saying there, but what we what we speak about with Celtic squad is it's important to have depth to the point where if your first choice winger is injured, like Jota is, and your second choice winger, like Abada, is out of form or Maeda is out of form, then you have a third depth chart there. Then again, to go to to trust to throw in here and. And Ange actually spoke about this in an interview um, he did over the course of the international window, how he brought in Joe Hart and Cameron Gardner-Vickers because 
they weren't players who were on last chance, chance to loon, but they did have something to prove. So that brings their performance up. We're probably seeing that with James Forrest now as well, that he there's these young guns ahead of him. He's going to have to fight for his place, but if he gets the opportunity, he's going to have to take it. And I guess you could say he took it well here. Yeah, I, again, echo what Alan said. I, I, what strikes me is that he does look skinnier. Like even, even, um, even to the, I mean, it didn't look like he needed to lose weight or anything, but he just yeah. looks that extra bit uh, uh, thinner, and that could be helping him um, kind of rekindle, reboot some of that that speed, or at least keep it, you know, more um, stable as opposed to kind of the natural decline. Um, but yeah, I I said it when. Probably uh, counter narrative to to what most people would have thought at the time. I was actually uh, okay with and happy with the extension um, for this exact reason, meaning that you know it, it's not just about the player; it's who the player is, what their role at the club's been, um, and you know my my criticisms on Brown was never that he was still at the club or playing; it was how he's being used um, that to me didn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so if, if his role is to be, you know, a super sub and, or someone who's a spot starter domestically, um, you know, do I think he's going to storm the fields in the Bernabeu and, <laughs> and give nightmares to, uh, Real Madrid? Probably not. I don't think that's realistic. Um, but you know, could he come on as a sub and do a job and, um, you know, dominate a, domestically against, the vast majority of teams. Absolutely. I, th- I think he's a terrific player. And I, you know, the, the two moments I'll always remember one is the, sh- the goal against Caragandi. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I thought he was the best player on the pitch in Munich in the two, one loss in the champions league. And, uh, and I think it was 17, 18. Uh, and that was, I think that was his best season. And I mean, he, he just, he looked like, a Champions League player against one of the best teams in the world that game, to me anyway. That's my recollection. Maybe I'm glorifying it because I've been a, a a James Forrest mark for a long time. But um, but yeah, so those are the two things that I, I I'll always kind of remember. And and um, yeah, I, I'm just thrilled. I, I it's thrilled thrilled that he's been able to do it. I hope he gets the hundred assists, and I and I hope he, you know, continues to be used in a productive way. That's kind of a win win for everybody. And he could, I think maybe reclaim some of the legacy that he's never had in the minds of some supporters. Um, if that makes any sense, because I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've always found the perception of James Forrest very, very strange for a, a player who's won 20 major trophies to be questioned around whether or not he's going to be remembered as one of the greats for Celtic is just so fucking bizarre in in the way that uh, the way that people react to him and his performances. But Look, I, I think it was nice that he got the hundred, got the three in this goal because he may not get too many more opportunities in order to get to that milestone. So it was nice that he was able to, to tick them all off in, in one game. Um, but we'll we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on James Forrest going forward and how he's used. He, unfortunately for him, like myself and Anthony Ralston, I think he is just that build where he puts on weight very very easily, and uh, even if even when he's skinny, he still looks like he's carrying a few extra pounds. So yes, I'm throwing myself in there. Uh, <laughs> look, before we finish up, we have a League Cup quarterfinal tomorrow night, eight or six fifteen kickoff, which is just early. Yeah, yeah, disgusting. It's a disgusting time for a game of football for 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 match going fans, but also for for people who aren't going to the match. It's just. It's just not very good scheduling, is it? Um, are we going with the same team? Are we changing it up a little bit? What are what are our general thoughts ahead of this? Well, I, I have expect, no idea. Yeah, I'd expect some changes. I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what though. I don't. I don't. I mean, if Aksabanovic was feeling a bit sore, maybe he won't be risked. I don't. You know, I don't suspect if Jota's still not one hundred percent. Hoping we're at a stage now where we're not risking players who are not. Uh, you know, not 100%. So as long as we put out a fit team. I mean, you know, the, the the great thing about the game on Saturday was just to see how well the squad, if you just think of it as a squad, how well, you know, Bernabe's settling in now. Haksabanovic is really hitting the ground running. Abel Gore is getting minutes in his legs. Um, you know, even McCarthy, Moyes contributing. Even McCarthy's chipping in with with some, some minutes as a bit of a, a kind of closer-outer in games, which makes sense. So everybody's contributing now. 
And so the you know I think domestically those in that injury situation shouldn't you know we we should be in a fortunate we, we've got a big squad right we've got a talented squad we we shouldn't be worrying about injuries at a, in the domestic sense but you need you need the players to kind of step up and uh, and perform and as I say you know Bernabe was the one I was a little bit worried about he's looking like he's really kind of growing into his Celtic shirt. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I guess I'm not saying I don't care who we play, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost wouldn't be, I wouldn't be worried whichever eleven we put on the park at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, I'll be curious to see if Seacrest gets a run out. Uh, if he's kind of the cup keeper, so to speak, at least in the League Cup, because again, a guy of his pedigree and success as a, you know, been a good keeper. Um, you know, for him to never play, I think would be. You know, pretty tough for a guy like that to swallow. So I would suspect he might get get, get the league cup. But yeah, I think it's a good show. I don't think I think Seagrist is seen as being a, a you know not that far behind Hart. I think he'll play tomorrow. I think you're absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you need mm-hmm. you need him sharp. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, it, mm. you know, Hart's no spring chicken. So if he if he ends up getting hurt or something, you you need him, you know, ready to go. So yeah, that's probably yeah. the one thing mm-hmm. that j- jumps out to me. One hundred percent. My my final point on this is that I want people to put some respect on James McCarthy's name because he's 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 he probably is after James Forrest probably the most disrespected footballer at Celtic Park at the minute just because of the nature of his signing. He's he's actually a good player. Like he used to play in the Premier League. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> so, so well, did oh, as, as did John Lundstrom. <laughs> yeah, 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 for, for, for a very brief period. Yeah. Like uh, look, I guess we'll uh, we'll finish it up there. We'll we'll be discussing again uh, probably two games next week, or maybe we might do a podcast later in the week. We'll wait and see how our schedules work out. Actually, no, we will not. I can guarantee you, we will not do a podcast later in the week because I have a stag due to go to this weekend. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so enough of that and uh, that, that's probably enough for for today and uh, if you want to get this podcast you can watch it back if you missed the start of the show you can get it on on the youtube channel and you can subscribe as well if you want to get notified every time a video goes live or we go live with the podcast and if you missed the podcast you can get it on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcast as well my thanks to james and on as always and thanks to you for listening and watching and we'll chat to you next week good luck Time to play the game! <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. It's all about control, and if you can take it. It's all about your death, and if you can play it. It's all about pain, and who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland bitch from a smoking gun I am the game, and I make rules So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, sucker, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.